before we started out, before Easter, we began on this very same passage, and I realised that it was going to take us two or three weeks to cover it properly, and today, today is the second Sunday on it. Um, so I'm just going to start off with a little recap. I, I don't know if everybody was here that Sunday that, that we went through this passage and what it's all about, but here's, here's a bit of a recap. Firstly, history is headed somewhere. And at the end of history, we meet Jesus Christ face to face. History is not meaningless, nor is history eternal. The, the history of this world isn't just going to go on and on and on. It had a beginning, a definite beginning, and it has a definite end. And a new history will begin when Jesus Christ returns. Secondly, prophecy isn't intended to give us a detailed picture of the future. The purpose of prophecy is to lift our hearts up in expectation so that we can make ourselves ready for what is to come. Uh, God hasn't revealed everything that, that is to come. And so if you read the prophecies in the Bible expecting to get a detailed picture of how it's going to all unfold, then you're going to be disappointed. Thirdly, today's reading is primarily about the end of the world's history. It is like the destruction of the temple in AD 70. It is like the desecration of the temple by Antiochus Epiphanes 168 years before Jesus was born, but it is primarily about the end of the world's history. And so the fourth thing we learned is these events, earthquakes, wars, famines, devastation, persecution, disaster, upheaval, are like birth pains. And we had a little discussion about birth pains. I gave the ladies a lesson on, on, <laughs> on pregnancy. Um, no, not really. But living as a Christian in this world is a discomfort. We long to be with Christ now, but for now we suffer trials, we suffer persecution, we endure hardship. And then every now and then, like a sudden painful stab of a contraction, something happens on a national or a global scale. Earthquake, famine, wars, world wars are like stabs of pain. These are not the end, but they are like the end. And when these things happen, they should remind us to be ready for when the big one does happen and for when Jesus returns. And so the message was get ready and stay ready. We get ready by getting right with God and we stay ready by continuing on in discipleship and not getting led astray. Okay? So as we finished up three weeks ago, I promised that we'd come back to it and and that we'd be looking at, well, what do we expect? What are the signs of Jesus' return? We'd be considering how can we stop ourselves from being led astray? Like, how are people led astray? And thirdly, why would Christians fall away? So we're not going to get very far. This is what we call the, it's the fourth Sunday, so she's a low-maintenance Sunday. And um, we're just going to just cover a couple of things today. When Robin got pregnant, she bought herself a book, which became a very well-read book. And she loaned it out to a number of people and I bet a lot of people here have either got or read that book and it's called What to Expect When You're Expecting. And um, I guess for us, if while we're waiting for Jesus to return, there's stuff like birth pains happening, well, we need to know what to expect when we're expecting the return of Jesus. 
Well, what do we expect? Well, we're just going to look at two things today. And the first one of these is we expect him to be a long time coming. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but we have to be ready every moment of every day. The trouble is though, when you're being vigilant and you're waiting to capture the moment, um, if it doesn't happen in the first ten minutes, it can seem as if it's never going to happen. A few years ago we got to go to the US and while we're there we found our way to the Yellowstone National Park and anybody who knows Yogi Bear knows all about Yellowstone National Park. Um, It's in Wyoming. And at Yellowstone National Park there's a geezer there and my boys would say, well that day it was the name of Michael, but no. Uh, There's a geezer there by the name of Old Faithful. Who's heard of Old Faithful geezer? Yep, she's pretty well known right throughout the world. Actually, there's a whole bunch of geezers there. Um, And the biggest and the best one, its name is Steamboat Geezer. All right? Steamboat Geezer. That's the biggest and that's the best one. And the tourists hardly ever go there. It's not very popular at all amongst the tourists. It's the biggest. But if you want to see Steamboat Geezer erupt, well, they're not exactly sure when it's going to happen. It could be anywhere from four days to 50 years between eruptions. And so you could be waiting there a little while to, to, to um, catch the snap. Old Faithful, well, Old Faithful's very popular because you only have to wait somewhere between 45 minutes to 125 minutes to see it erupt. When Old Faithful erupts, it spurts out somewhere between 14,000 to 32,000 litres of water straight up in the air to a height of about 50 metres. It's pretty impressive to see. And of course it's hot water, so she just turns into steam and it's, it's amazing. And the eruptions are an average of 90 minutes apart. So, if you want to see it, you've got to make sure you're there 45 minutes after the last one and wait. Well, we sort of went there and we saw they have a little clock there which tells you when the next one should be due and we, we got there about 40 minutes before the last eruption and, and we were there and we waited. We had the camera ready and we waited and we waited and we waited and waited and waited and I felt like giving up. It just seemed to go on and on and on as if it was never going to happen. It it seemed like it had been a long time coming and then it did happen. And it was about five minutes after we got there. (laughs) But it seemed like, like when we were waiting, it just seemed like it was taking forever. But it was 45 minutes on the dot, I think, when when it actually happened. Now, imagine if we'd been there waiting for steamboat geezer. Imagine how I would have felt waiting for up to 50 years for the thing. Now, think about waiting for the return of Jesus. Jesus told us that he's coming back, but it's been a long time. It's been nigh on 2,000 years and, and some people say, well, there you go, he's not coming back. It's all a load of nonsense. But you know what, even though his disciples were waiting in expectation that it could be any moment, Jesus actually told them in parable after parable that he was going to be a long time coming. 
And we're going to be seeing that in a couple of weeks. We'll be getting to some of these parables in a couple of weeks um, where Jesus is explaining, I'm going to be a long time coming. So for us, yes, it has been 2,000 years and yes, that is a long time. But even though it's been a long time, we have to be ready and we have to stay ready. So keep on waiting. The second thing to learn about what to expect, I'm saying, is persecution. We should expect persecution. We should expect trouble. We should expect big trouble. Now, the trouble is a lot of people today are not expecting Christians to go through the big trouble. My first car that I had was a WB Holden Ute and it was typical young fellow country car. It had lots of stickers and had aerials all over it in any, any conceivable place. Um, but then I had a sticker on the glove box and the sticker there said, ride in vehicle at own risk. Driver could disappear at any moment. Now, that was a good conversation starter with hitchhikers. Um, they said, oh, what's that about? Well... That's talking about, about the rapture. That's when, when um, Jesus comes back and he's going to take all of the Christians. And I'm a Christian, so I could just disappear just like that. And you'll be left in a driverless car. But that's okay. Maybe you might want to make peace with Christ really quick. Um, so she's a good discussion starter. Um, that's what we call the rapture when we're talking about Christians getting snatched away, taken out of the out of the world. Now the word rapture actually means snatching away. We've all seen kids snatch things out of each other's hands, haven't we? Yeah? And, and adults, we, we did that when we were kids, didn't we? And we'd get in strife for it, and rightly so. But it's, that's what it is. It's this snatching away. But it's not, rap, the word rapture isn't a word that's actually used in the Bible. It actually comes from the Latin word rapio. But where we get it from, probably the best Bible verse to explain it is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. It says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now that sounds pretty noisy, doesn't it? Yeah, remember in that reading we're told that it's not, no, no, this is going to be secret. It's going to happen and people are going to see it from one end of the world to the other when this happens. It says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. And that's the word there, snatched away. We who are still alive will be snatched away together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And what an encouragement that is, um, that we will be snatched away to meet with the Lord. Now, that's what we call the rapture, this instantaneous snatching away from where we are to meet with Christ. And it's right there in the Bible. But the reason why many Christians aren't going to be ready for, the, for, the, for trouble is because there's a new and very popular belief that the timing of this event all secretly takes place early. It it says that it takes all of the Christians out of the world before the big trouble begins. 
And this belief is, has a big word to describe it, as so many things do, and that's the pre-tribulation rapture. Pre, meaning for, tribulation, meaning trouble, rapture, snatching away. So it's saying that before the big trouble happens, the Christians will be snatched away out of the world. So they believe that the Christians will be snatched out of the world before the tribulation, before the big trouble begins, and before Antichrist is let loose upon the earth. Now, I'm going to be really upfront here and say I do not believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I do not believe that it is biblical. You, it is very popular. And, but popularity has never made something right. The whole fictional book series and the movies written by Tim LaHaye, the Left Behind series, have people heard of those? They are all based on the pre-tribulation rapture um, where Christians are taken out of the world before the trouble begins. Now I just want to say to you, do not let fictional books influence what you believe about the second coming of Christ. That's the job of the Bible. Right? You read your Bible to get, get your understanding of what Christ is going to do and, and the order of things as they happen. Don't read fictitious books. They might be easy and they might be entertaining to read. But that's not where you should be looking for answers. You should be looking for answers in your Bible. Now, pre-trib teaching has become very popular in North America and so consequently also in Australia because we Australians, we, we have a trouble that, that we're more inclined to listen to the Yanks than what we are to read our Bible because it's easier. Very prominent charismatic and evangelical Bible teachers coming out of the US teach it as undeniable fact. Um, the Dallas Theological Seminary is one of the most influential Bible colleges in the world and it teaches something called dispensationalism which means that there's different stages in the world's history and part of this teaching is pre-tribulation rapture. So anyone who listens to Bible teachers on, on the wireless will probably have heard of Charles Stanley, Chuck Swindle, Chuck Missler. Uh, it seems to be a Chuck thing. Um, but it, they all teach pre-trib rapture. Now, I'm not saying these guys are no good. I've listened to them. They've got a lot of really good teaching. Um, but I'm convinced that this doctrine is not biblical. Pre-trib rapture theory is very popular today, but 200 years ago it hadn't been heard of. For 1,800 years, Christians were taught, expect persecution. Be prepared for the big trouble. They were taught, you're going to go through a lot of pain, persecution, trouble. Be ready, but don't worry about it because Jesus is coming at the end and so stand firm through it all. And if you go to your Bible without preconceived ideas and read God's word as it is, you will find time and time again Jesus Christ and his apostles telling us to be ready for persecution, telling us to be ready for the great tribulation, telling us that we will have to endure hardship, telling us to hold on through this great time of trouble and upheaval. Even in today's reading, verse 9 says, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Now, who is he talking to? 
Christians, disciples. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Now, does that sound like Christians have been taken out of the world? Why would he be warning us about that? You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Who will? Christians. Us. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be great tribulation. That's big trouble. Such as has not been seen from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. Then he says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So what do we see here? Disciples are in the tribulation. They haven't been taken away. In fact, God will cut short the time of tribulation for the sake of the elect, for the sake of the disciples, for the sake of those who have received Christ as their saviour. Now, if they've already been snatched away, why would he be needing to cut the days short? I'll tell you why. It's because they're still there. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christians will be taken out before the trouble happens. I think that's only wishful thinking. A lot will be taken out during the tribulation. Do you know how they get out? Martyrdom. They will die for their faith. When you turn to Revelation, you find Christians being martyred during the Great Tribulation. We are told that Antichrist makes war on the saints. Now, how's he going to do that if the saints have all been taken out? Where are the saints? They're right there in the middle of the tribulation. That's what the Bible says and that's what has been taught for 1,800 years. Why did it change? In 1830, a prophetess by the name of Margaret MacDonald prophesied that there was going to be two comings of Jesus. An earlier secret visit in which Christians would be snatched away and then seven years later a more recognisable visit when he comes back to stay. And among those who knew Margaret MacDonald was a fellow by the name of John Darby um, and he was from the Plymouth Brethrens and that became part of his teaching. John Darby is one of the founders of the belief of dispensationalism which I've mentioned before is the dividing up of history into different chapters. Now I'm not going to go into that now because I'm not the full bottle on it. I don't know it particularly well. But he is also the founder of the exclusive Brethren Church. Pre-trib rapture began to become popular when Schofield wrote his reference Bible. It was one of the earliest of the study Bibles. Has anyone heard of the Schofield reference Bible? It became very well known early on in in, um, Christian history. And um, 
In this study Bible, he taught dispensationalism, futurism, pre-tribulation rapture, etc. Now, just let me say to you something about study Bibles. I have a study Bible. Who here has a study Bible? Study Bibles are great if you primarily read the Bible. And if you know that the Bible part is God's word and the notes in the margins or underneath are the thoughts and reflections of men and women, which makes them fallible. The trouble is most of us don't do this. We take the notes of men and and say, yep, that's what it says. Now, this goes for what I tell you as well. The important part of today is the Bible reading. It's not Michael's sermon. The Bible reading is God's word. The sermon is me, fallible me, sinful me, trying my best to help you to engage with God's word. Now, I pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work in me as I prepare and be at work in me even now as I share these thoughts with you to help you to know and learn and understand God's word better. I put my sermons up on the web hoping that you and others will be able to learn more about God's word. But I'd rather you read the Bible. That's what you need to be into and checking up everything that I or anybody else teaches in the Bible. And to me, the Bible is just so clear that Christians should expect big trouble. And I fear that this modern popular idea means millions of Christians will not be ready to endure the big trouble. In fact, they'll be, some people will be very surprised when the big trouble begins. Well, hang on, wasn't I supposed to have been raptured away before the big trouble? So, that's the message for today. Expect big trouble. Now, we didn't get terribly far today. I think that's probably enough. So there's two things to expect when you're expecting the return of Christ. Expect him to be a long time coming. Yeah, it has been 2,000 years. But it could be this arvo. It could be tomorrow. Just be ready. And secondly, expect big trouble. And um, is it next week that the Gideons come? When do the Gideons come? Two weeks. So next week we'll have... a a bit more of a look at some more things to expect when we're expecting. Um, And then the week after that, I think, is when the Gideons are going to be sharing with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we long for your return. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. You have been a long time coming, but you told us that you would be. So, Lord, help us to stay vigilant. Help us to stay ready. And Lord, prepare us for the big trouble. You've told us to expect these things before they happen. So we go into it with our eyes wide open. Lord, you never promised your disciples a bed of roses. You promised us a cross of nails. Lord, when the time of persecution comes, when the big trouble begins... Lord, give us courage to stand. Give us strength to endure. Give us love to overcome. And grant us your mercy to hold on. 
Come Lord Jesus Christ. Come and claim your throne. We long for the day when you will snatch us away from this world to meet with you and with those who have gone before in the air. Come Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.